I think one of the greatest gifts that God gives to us is the people that he gives to us in our lives at our highest points and at our lowest points. It's those go-to people in our lives when, when, when you're on top of the world, things are going well, and you just want to celebrate, and they're the ones that you turn to to call or text or you go out to eat a meal together. And, and then there are those people, those friends, those family members that you go to when you're at your low points, when there's a crisis or there's some hardship or difficulty. I, I remember one particular time in my life, I was in seminary and, and there was just a big crisis that arose uh, and I, I just, I had a really hard decision to make and, and it was just a deeply personal matter. And I wasn't sure, we, we, Ruth and I had talked about this and I was far from uh, all, our home and I finally reached out to uh, a seminary professor that I had gotten to know through our church. And I didn't know how he would take this uh, dilemma that I was in. I didn't know how he would respond to just somebody kind of pouring out their heart to him. Because that was nearly 40 years ago. And I still remember the love and the mercy and the compassion and the wisdom that that seminary professor gave to me. I will forever be grateful for what he did that day. It was just a, 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 probably a less than an hour conversation we had, but my heart was so worried and tangled up and he just helped me to remain calm. I was just, I was 22 years old and, and I was just learning how to be a, a, a husband. I was, I was even a pastor yet. I was just learning how to be a seminary student and just some of the things that I faced to kind of untangle, he was there for me, a voice of calm a voice of compassion, a voice of mercy, who didn't come with condemnation or judgment, but came with like a listening ear. If you have even one person like that in your life, I encourage you to get down on your knees and thank God for them because they are an amazing gift to you. Today, as we look to God's word together, I'm gonna go to a familiar a passage of scripture in Luke's gospel, the Christmas story. And it's about God's boundless compassion. It's about his incredible mercy in our time of need and in the world's time of need. So you're gonna have times in your life, maybe now, when you really need that kind of compassion, that kind of mercy, who are you gonna call, right? And, and there was a moment in the life of a young teenage virgin named Mary she had received the most amazing, miraculous message from the angel Gabriel that she was somehow going to be the mother of the Messiah, even though she had never been with a man. And she was now expecting a child. She received that message. She says, may it be to me, as you have said, I am the Lord's servant. She had accepted that as tangled and as difficult as that was going to be. Because now she was betrothed, basically married to uh, Joseph, but they were not yet begun their married life together. They had not consummated that marriage, but they were legally connected to each other. And they were to remain pure and separate until the time of the wedding. And now she is expecting a child. And I'm sure there are voices and tales that are being uh, told in the little town of Nazareth. And she's eventually going to make her way to Bethlehem, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. She has this moment now where she gets this amazing, on top of the world news that she's going to be the mother of the Messiah. But on the other hand, 
it's, it's a difficult message to take. It, it's at a low point as well. So she, she has to expect that there's going to be all sorts of gossip and innuendos that are shared about her. So she's both at the high point and at the low point. At that point, where do you go from there? Well, it turns out she went to visit her cousin, her cousin Elizabeth, who was much older than she was. But it was a good listening ear. And they were connected deeply. And God placed an incredible woman of God named Elizabeth, who herself had, had received a message through her husband Zechariah and an angel that she in her old age was going to have her firstborn son. She was going to have a son who was going to be the prophet of the Messiah. And so these two women come together in the Gospel of Luke and the story is told about God's boundless compassion. I want just to read the story to you and I hope you'll just soak it in. And there's going to be some incredible takeaways from this as you hear this message. Okay, let's just walk together. Luke chapter 1, verse 39. So in those days, Mary set out and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judah where she entered Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. That's her cousin. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped inside her. That was John the Baptist yet to be born. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, God showed up. God came in in a powerful way into Elizabeth's heart at that moment. And then it says, Elizabeth exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women. It means happy. God's blessed you. Joy to you. Joy to you among all the women of the world. And blessed, your child will be blessed as well. Amazing things are going to happen in his life. And then she says, how could this happen to me? That the mother of my Lord, Elizabeth somehow already has a window into the supernatural, miraculous character. She already understands that Mary is carrying not just a baby boy, though she is, but also God himself, the Lord, the mother of my Lord. God himself has taken on human flesh. How is it that this should happen to me? Why do I get this incredible privilege that the mother of my Lord should come to me? So they're both sharing this incredible moment. She says, for you see, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped for joy inside me. The first actual reaction that you, you get before Elizabeth Eason says a word is that the baby, that is John the baptizer, leaps inside of her just when she hears the words of Mary, the mother of Jesus. There's some incredible things to think about there that we're told that John the baptizer was filled from the, with the Holy Spirit from before he was even born. We also note, just as we go, that in this passage it is clear what the scriptures teach, that this, the unborn child is an unborn child, the baby in my womb, a human being who was filled with the Holy Spirit, already God indwelling him in a special way. The unborn child, sacred and holy, is an unborn child, and blessed is this one, within her. 
And then she says, verse 45, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill what he has spoken to her. So she gives a blessing upon her cousin, young cousin Mary, because she's believed this incredible message that a virgin is going to give birth to the Son of God. So she's just celebrating. Here's the first thing I learned about the birth of Jesus in this passage is the birth of Jesus is a cause for celebration. That's why we put up trees. That's why we put up lights. That's why we give gifts. That's why this all cultural celebration is all about. It's all about the birth of the Messiah. Now that can slip from our minds easily. And I just encourage you to take a moment and if you need to kind of recenter your focus and say, oh, that's why we celebrate Christmas. This is what Christmas is all about. I know you know that, but here you are listening to this message right deep in the gospel of Luke. And it's good to pause and just say, okay, Christmas is about the birth of Jesus. And that's why we're celebrating. And it's a good cause for celebration because God himself has come into the world. Joy of the world. The Lord is come. All right. Keep going. And Mary said, my soul, she, she just moves into praise now. And this incredible song is captured for us in Holy Scripture. Luke gives to us what Mary shares. And she, she just responds in this incredible song of praise. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord. In fact, uh, this word uh, is called uh, traditionally the Magnificat because Magnificat or magnify is the first word in Latin of this song of Mary who is now going to praise deeply God who has done these things for her. He says, my soul magnifies the Lord. In other words, my inmost person makes God big. Uh, my inmost person thinks great things of God. My inmost heart and soul makes, uh, makes the Lord big. Not that he cre we create him to be bigger, but that we, we, we think great thoughts about him. We magnify him. He's important to us in our lives. My soul magnifies the Lord. That's what Christmas should do. Magnify what God has done in our lives. My spirit rejoices and God, my Savior, I am so happy. Yes, she had this incredible privilege with some weighty responsibilities and some, you know, extra baggage of gossip and innuendo happening in her hometown of Nazareth. But she said, I rejoice in God, my Savior. Note here that Mary says she needs a Savior. She needs someone to save her. She needs a rescuer. She needs a Redeemer too, because she too is one of fallen humanity. He says, I rejoice, my soul magnifies the Lord because he has looked with favor. The word is favor, with grace, with kindness, with extra measure, unmerited measure of love upon the humble condition of his servant. God's looked on me and I'm a nobody, she says. I'm absolutely nobody. I'm just, I'm just here to serve God. And God did this for me. He's given me this privilege. It blows my mind. She says, I think big things of God because of that. He's amazing. Surely, she says, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Mary knows what a big deal this is. Mary knows that from this point forward, all the succeeding generations of humanity are going to say Mary was blessed beyond comprehension because she was allowed to carry within her womb 
God in human flesh, the Messiah. She goes, all generations will call me blessed because the mighty one has done great things for me. This is, this is an incredible personal blessing for Mary. And his name is holy. I mean, God is all that. God is incredible, she says. Here's the second thing I learned about the birth of Jesus. The birth of Jesus brings deep personal blessing. For Mary, this wasn't just a thing that God was doing in the world. We'll get to that. But this was something that God had done for her. And obviously, the Virgin Mary has a completely unique role in salvation, redemptive history. Only she is the mother of the Messiah. And she takes inventory of how Christmas, the birth of Jesus, is a personal blessing for her. But I want to encourage us, for, for you and for me, to pause at this moment and say, you know, the birth of Jesus is also a personal blessing for you and for me. Not in exactly, obviously, the same way it was for Mary, but God has given to us personally his son. It's a personal love that comes to us. It is God's gift wrapped to us and given to us by name. He knows your name. He's called your name. You are important to him. And I hope that you will see Christmas is not just a global worldwide celebration, but it, it is something deeply personal to you, who you are, what your present is, how he has forgiven your past, how he has empowered your present, and how he has promised countless blessings for your future. I hope that you take time at Christmas time to pause and say, Christmas, the birth of Jesus, is a deeply personal blessing for me. Keep going. But then she expands it. She says, his mercy, that's the boundless compassion of God. That's that, that mercy that he pours out, the love that he pours out. He says his mercy, God's mercy, is now from generation to generation on those who fear him. The people that take God seriously, they're, they're, they're going to experience his mercy from generation to generation. In other words, she says, this isn't just about me. Oh, the story, is, it includes me, but the story is much bigger than I am. She recognizes this is a global, like universal, like worldwide blessing that God is bringing from generation, and not just for her present generation, but for all generations to come. This is a massive blessing that God is bringing. For he sa she says in verse 41 in this song, he has done a mighty deed with his arm. And she says, he scattered the proud because the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the, the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. What is she saying here? She's saying, you know, people think that their big power in the world is, is the Roman power. It's, it's Caesar Augustus. It's the emperor. It's, he's all that. In fact, last week, remember the quotes we talked about? Remember who Caesar Augustus? He's the emperor. He's the big. He's the one that's going to call for the census, right? And his empire was gigantic. I, we might have a map of that empire somewhere. I mean, his, it's, it just was this, most of the known world was under his control at this time. This whole Mediterranean gigantic area where most of the world's population was centered is, he's ruling over it. So he's mighty, he's powerful. He also accepted divine worship. That is what the culture that Mary and all the people of li living in Israel are living under, that Caesar is the answer to all our problems. Caesar is the savior. Caesar is God manifest. He is the divine God. Caesar is the forgiver of sins. You see, they look to human beings. And maybe we don't look to the Roman Empire or the Roman emperor. 
But there's so many ways in which people are looking to, to people, just mere humans or technology or science or whatever, going to solve all of our problems. And God has the audacity to say, actually, that's not the way I'm going to do it. Actually, I'm going to completely turn it upside down. I'm not going to actually use the rich and powerful. I'm not going to use the people that have all authority in the armies. I'm not going to use any of them, actually. I'm going to turn it all upside down. I'm going to pick a poor peasant teenage girl. And I'm going to work through her. And I'm going to come myself in the form of a baby to turn it all around, to turn it on its head. He scattered the proud. They think they're all that. He, he said, nah, you're just dust in the wind. You'll be forgotten. He's toppled the mighty from their thrones, exalted the lowly. Nobody's talking about Caesar Augustus these days. People are still talking about Jesus and about Mary. This Christmas time, they're talking about her again. He says, he has satisfied the hungry with good things. She's looking forward to all the blessings that Jesus is going to bring. going to satisfy us. Our hunger, our, third, our, our souls are hungry. He's going to satisfy us with good stuff. Not temporary stuff, good stuff. He sent the rich away empty. Everybody that's all fat and sassy in this world who doesn't think they need God, they're going to be empty-handed. And he has helped his servant Israel. Poor little Israel. Picked on. Nobody internationally. Rome just looked up and scoffed at Israel. They were nothing. Absolutely nothing. Unimportant. She says, no. He's helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our ancestors. See, God made a promise to Abraham a long time ago that he was going to do something through one of his descendants. And now that descendant has come. A son of Abraham is now expecting to be born through the womb of the Virgin Mary. And God made good on his promise to send a deliverer, Jesus. So the birth of Jesus not only is a personal blessing, the birth of Jesus upends human realities. You see, they thought it was all going to be all that. Rome was going to do that. Science is going to do it. Technology is going to do it. Government's going to do it. Money's going to do it. Pleasure's going to do it. Relationship's going to do it. This person is going to do it. Ultimately, those may be helpful or not, but they're gifts from God, but they're not God himself. And he says, I'm going to upend it all. I'm going to use weak and lowly and nobodies to completely upend history and reality. And I'm going to do something amazing in this world through one little baby boy. The birth of Jesus upends human realities. And then verse 56, and Mary stayed with her about three months. So she stayed with her cousin, Elizabeth. It's not stated here, but probably until uh, Elizabeth gave birth to John. And then she returned to her home in Nazareth. And Luke really understates this. We don't give many details here, but here's what I'm learning. Here's what the birth of Jesus is about. The birth of Jesus happened in the real world. There was a cousin named Elizabeth who was married to Zechariah, who gave birth to a, a boy named John, who was from the hill country, and Mary was betrothed to be married to a guy named Joseph, 
and she went back to Nazareth, and she's going to give birth. It's interesting here, and then she returned home. She's had three months to talk with her, her friend, her her confidant, her cousin, Elizabeth. They understand. She understands her story. A lot of people don't understand her story. A lot of people don't even believe her story about expecting. And now she has to go back home, back to Nazareth. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Oh, there's going to be be tongues wagging in Nazareth. There's going to be people talking in Nazareth. She's got to... She's got to go home. And now she's three months further along, uh, uh, three months further along in her pregnancy. What I learned is that the birth of Jesus happened in the real world. Sometimes we just think of it as all glamour and, you know, uh, the manger scene through filtered soft lenses and, and fluffy sheep and camels that don't smell at all, right? But... That's not the real world. The real world is where Jesus came. And Mary had to deal with the real world. There are human realities that God will upend, but yet the birth of Jesus happens in the real world. Elizabeth married, excuse me, um, was expecting, and she had been married way too long to have a baby. I mean, she had been waiting for who knows how long before she had this baby. And Mary, at least from all appearances, had not been married long enough to be expecting a child. So they have to deal with real world realities. Christmas is great and it's amazing and it's joy filled and all that, but it still has its tough things. Make no mistake about it. So the gospel tells us very real life story that, that, that has incredible glory, incredible joy and God's boundless compassion and they need it because they live in a real world. Well, not everything is tinsel and, and, and just glowing candles there's some tough stuff too so that's the story i wanted to tell today and i wanted to ask you what are the takeaways now let's walk through these together can we let's talk about our christmas takeaways from this little story of mary visiting her cousin elizabeth her confidant maybe her closest friend here are the christmas takeaways number one recognize the miracle Elizabeth did. She knew, she understood, she embraced the miracle that the virgin was having a child. Can can you just embrace the miracle that Christmas is? Can you somehow try to get your head around the fact that God somehow contracted himself into this this little baby, this unborn child that was being carried around in a teenager's womb? Because that's they were married young back in those days. It was the miracle of the incarnation, God taking on human. Do you recognize that miracle? Because that really is the first step in in knowing God, is that you recognize the miracle that is Christmas. You recognize it in your life. That's where you start. Second Christmas takeaway is prioritize worship. Prioritize worship. Mary and Elizabeth both pause long enough to recognize what's happened here, and they, they take time. Elizabeth celebrates... And Mary composes in her own heart these beautiful little praise, prayer, chorus to God. She prioritized worship. Now she says, it's time for me to pause and reflect. And, and I just want to encourage you, it's a super busy time. I know, it's crazy. Christmas is crazy. 
Um, and there's a lot of comings and going, but I hope that you'll take at least a little bit of time, maybe at the beginning of the day, or maybe you'll set aside a chunk of time where you can just kind of process this. Maybe it's read the Christmas story on your own again with fresh eyes. Or maybe it's reading a little article about the miracle of Christmas, but where you really prioritize and then you just talk to God and thank God for the miracle that Christmas is. You prioritize worship. And certainly what I want to encourage you to do is prioritize gathering together with the people of God. Mark it down. We got all sorts of Christmas Eve worship gatherings and, and Christmas Day. Uh, we have an 11 a.m. worship gathering. Prioritize those and, and invite other people to be a part of those. Invite your friends and family. Let the good news go out, but let's prioritize worship and really exalt him. Magnify the Lord. Let's not forget Jesus in the midst of Christmas. All right, Let's magnify the Lord with me and celebrate him and sing those Christmas carols and sing the praise to him. Third Christmas takeaway is we need to receive his mercy. There's good news in Christmas. God's looked down on the humble state of his people. He knows how messed up I am. He knows how messed up you are. He knows that we're just nobodies. He knows that we, we've, we've done things wrong. He knows our sin. He knows all of our, our mistakes. He knows all our problems. And we start by just receiving his mercy. That's what Christmas is about. He saw us in our plight and in our hardship and he came into our lives and he said, I want, to, I want to do something amazing in your life. So you start by receiving the mercy of Jesus. Have you trusted in Christ? Have you asked him for his forgiveness and his mercy for the first time? And maybe Christmas is a time that you come back to him. Maybe you've been walking astray. Maybe you've been wandering from God and it's time to receive his mercy afresh. And say, that God in heaven loved you so much, he sent his one and only son. And it's time to receive the mercy of God. And then uh, fourth uh, Christmas takeaway is, I want to invite you to join the revolution. Well, what revolution? The Christmas revolution, where God upends the human realities, where he shakes it up, where he says, he's, the people that think they're all that, really maybe they're not all that much. And maybe he's going to take simple people like you and me, and he's going to change the world through us. He's going to take people and he's going to use his mighty arm to do amazing things. We join the revolution when we actually believe that we can be a force in the kingdom of Jesus. When we believe that God could use simple folks like us to actually love people in transforming ways. That through our love and through our kindness and through our generosity and through our forgiveness and through our compassion that is flowing from Jesus through us, that we could actually be a force for good in this world. That, that, that it isn't all just science and technology and money and, 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 and people depending on wealth and acquisition that is, is going to work. Instead, it's going to be believers in Jesus who put their lives on the line, who sacrifice themselves for the sake of the cause, who, who put themselves out for the needy and the poor and the lonely, and also who put themselves out for the, those who, are, who think they're something, who are rich and haughty. And we show mercy and kindness even to the arrogant. You know, this is where the kingdom of Jesus just shows up. I love the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. Remember the movie, Wonderful Life? Yeah, we got George Bailey. He's the hero. And he, he's trying to help the people of the town. And then there's Mr. Potter. He, he's just the cruel, hateful, heartless banker. And he seems like he really owns the town. I mean, he owns the whole place. And there's nothing they can do about it. But in the end, because of the movie, you know, the, the good, 
of the friends, even without money, the good of the friends of, of George Bailey, show him his life is worth living. And it's a wonderful life because he has friends. And it really is the love and the mercy and the kindness and the compassion that he experiences from other people and that he sees his own compassion changing people's lives that gives his life meaning. It really is a kind of a Christmas embedded story there. And that's what we believe. We believe that God wants us to join a revolution. Maybe you've been sitting on the sidelines for too long. Maybe you need to get in the game and join uh, the Mary and Elizabeth team. You believe that God could use us to satisfy people who are hungry? That God could work through us to send people that don't want him? They, they realize the emptiness of their lives. We could show mercy to others. Join that revolution. Join it. And by the way, no better way to get trained and signed up to join that revolution than attending, in just a few weeks, guys, the Good for All Conference. It's coming here. This is what this revolution is all about. It's saying we do good works, we build goodwill, we become good neighbors, and we share the good news. That's exciting stuff, and I do not want you to miss it. Guys, we have made this so accessible, so affordable. It's, it's, we've, we've broken it into four Sunday nights so that it's so easy for you to be a part of. I really ask you, don't let this pass you by because we're bringing in incredible speakers all four times and we're starting off with an incredible lineup you don't want to miss. I'm telling you, January 8th, get signed up. Number five Christmas takeaway is be a channel of grace. Be a channel of grace. Mary certainly was. Elizabeth was. They, they, they were they were, uh, there, were, there, there were these women that God was using in incredible ways to, to bring forth these, 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 the prophet, uh, John the Baptist, and the Messiah, Jesus. And, and they, were, they were showing grace in their words and, and throughout their lives. Christmas is a time to live out the mercy of God. It, Christmas is a time to live out forgiveness to people. I mean, Jesus came and he forgave us our sins. Do you understand that? I, I, I've done a lot of wrong in my life. I'm not proud of. You have too. And Christmas reminds us that, hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. He forgives us our sins. He reconciles us to himself. So could you be one who God could use to bring reconciliation to them? That God could use you to be one that, who forgives, who shows somebody God's forgiveness. Maybe you invite them to Christmas Eve, or maybe there's just somebody in your life that needs to know the forgiveness of God. Maybe there's somebody in your life this Christmas time that you need to forgive, that you need to reach out to and forgive. This past week, I had an incredible uh, conversation with one of our longtime church members, Reina Arvizo. And you may recall that Reina's daughter was tragically killed in a church shooting uh, up at the Cornerstone Church in Ames six months ago. I sat down with her to just get some of her thoughts and reflections, the story she wanted to tell. So check it out. Rena, your precious daughters, Vivian and Valerie, grew up at our church. They've been at our church for 10 years. We saw these two inseparable twin sisters. And then six months ago, um, they were uh, going to church up at Cornerstone Church in Ames. And this incredible tragedy 
um, hit your family. And there was a shooting at, at the Ames Church and Valerie survived, but Vivian, um, an innocent bystander in all this was, was killed. We talked and you wanted to tell your story. I want to tell my story today because I feel that people should know that it's not, it's not about me and it's about giving honor and glory to our Lord Jesus Christ. So Raina, um, why don't you tell us just a little bit about your two incredible daughters, Valerie and Vivian. Valerie and Vivian, um, they love Jesus. They are, they walk the walk, talk the talk. They love Jesus. I think that's what gives me so much peace about Vivian's death is that she was at church, you know, when she got killed. She was gonna worship the Lord. She loved Jesus. She was very energetic, full of life. She was so smart, very smart, very happy. She's gorgeous. Oh, she just loved the Lord. You know, there was times where I would call her and she would always put me in the back burner and say, Mom, I haven't spent time with the Lord, so I'm going to um, pray, re read the word, and then I'll call you back, which I was okay because, you know, he comes first. So that's real special to me, those memories of them. And Valerie's the same way. Valerie walks with the Lord. Valerie loves the Lord. She reads her Bible. She prays. She walks with the Lord. So I'm just a proud mom of both of them. I really am. You've had uh, six months now to, to think through this and to process through this and to pray through this. Tell a little bit about, you know, what you have felt from, from God himself during, during this tragedy. Of course, God has given me many gifts of mercy and grace, but one really special gift he gave me was he allowed Valerie to survive that shooting. You know, I got to keep Valerie. You know, Valerie was just feet away from Vivian and he allowed me to keep her. God is merciful. You know, God is good. You know, when God allowed Jesus to die on the cross, he, showed, he proved that he was good to us and God is good. What do you say to somebody who's gone through a loss or going, they're, they're having a hard time during this Christmas season? How, how have you been, has God used you or what would you say to them to really, ex, you know, to receive and experience God's mercy and grace? I think that, first I think our time is short, so I feel that people need to reach out to the Lord. Only He can give us the peace and the strength. No one else could give me what He's given me, and I'm strong because of it. He's the only one that can give us peace and strength. So I would tell people to connect, you know, reach out to the Lord Jesus Christ, because He's the only way. Has there been one special promise or memory that God has, has brought to you that's been particularly meaningful? He just keeps reminding me that Vivian's in heaven and that someday I'm gonna see her. You've, you've challenged people, you've stretched people um, by the ways that you've responded. You wanna share anything more about that? Sure, I feel that this is very important that God has given me the strength and he's allowed me to have it in my heart to forgive John, the man that took Vivian's life. And I truly forgive him, I really do. Where, where does that come from and why is that so important to you? Because we we're, we're also need forgiveness. I want God to forgive me someday. 
So I need to learn to forgive others, and I do truly forgive. I do. So powerful. I know you, you've come to that really strong faith in Jesus. Yes. Uh, that you know he died for your sins, your whole family trusting in him. Um, is there anything else you would like to say to the people of Valley Church during this Christmas time? I know that Jesus is the only way, and he's the only one that gives us peace and gives us strength because he's given it to me, and he's the only way. No one else can fill that void but him. And I just want people to know that, and I want people to turn their ways and turn to him. I really want to thank you, Raina, for taking this time to share your story. We're just part of the way on this journey, but God is with you, and the people of Valley Church stand with you. We love you, we love your family, and we will continue to walk with you through through everything. Um, God bless you for sharing your story. It took a lot of courage, and I know it was really difficult, but you wanted to share your story, uh, and I'm so glad you did. Thank you. Wow. That's some incredible things that we just heard there. Christmas is a time to be a channel of grace. Who is it that you need to forgive? No matter what. Doesn't mean you're letting them off the hook. It means you're not gonna have that darkness in your soul. You're gonna be a channel of God's mercy, boundless compassion. And Christmas is a time to remember the hurting. There are people around us who have all the hurts and pains they carry with them, and we don't see them on the outside, but we extend God's compassion to them. They don't, might not even ever tell us. You may not ever know looking at them, but they need compassion, okay? Sixth takeaway is pursue boundless generosity. We are never more like God than when we give with the generosity of our very best. The Word of God says, for God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only son. At the end of the year, Valley Church people rally around and do amazing things with their generosity. And, you know, I just got reminded about it again this year. I looked across the street. Here's the Valley Community Center. I took a photo of it the other night. Just beautiful photo of, of, um, of that, that, that's a, your boundless generosity at work. 150,000 people a year come through here receiving all sorts of uh, help and friendship and compassion and relationships and service and, and, uh, and wellness and, and, uh, and, and, and opportunities really meeting the needs of our community. And, we, and somebody just, uh, they just opened the, up, they just filled the Valley Ice Plaza. There it is. Now we just wait for God to freeze it. And thousands of people are going to come here because we give the gift of friendship. We say, to families, come, free of charge, come enjoy this because we love our community. It was your generosity, God moving in your heart to make those that community center and this Valley Ice Plaza a, a reality. And I could go on and on and on and on about the incredible generosity of the people of God. We got the night to shine coming up, a special prom experience for those with special needs. During the summertime, the Global Greens Farm that serves, uh, including families, uh, like 200, 250 former refugees. I, I got an email this week. Uh, many of you were a part of our Start Small project that provided and helped to provide and distribute diapers to all those Afghan refugees that were re relocated here. I, I got this, uh, the, um, the, the stats here. You'll love this. This is 
generosity, right? Um, there were 64,000 uh, diapers donated. There were 20,000 wipes donated because we're helping babies, right? Um, there was uh, thousands of dollars in cash donated, thousands of in-kind donations. Um, and, and then there were uh, a total of uh, uh, 359 families served. Did you catch that? 359 families were served through that one project, Valley Church. 825 children whose physical bodies were actually touched by your uh, generosity through those diapers. I mean, that, that's just sweet. It's, it's, it's just kindness in action. Freedom for youth. We're, we're, Valley Church people bless that urban youth initiative with tens of thousands of dollars to, to help with foster care and, and to help with the Dream Center uh, also in, in Des Moines. The hand-in-hand -hand ministry to those with disabilities. We helped out with people at our Hidden Acres Christian Center. In Levy Des Moines days, touching thousands and thousands of lives um, locally. You, your generosity has touched places like Brussels, Belgium, with their own church building now being acquired and now being renovated. With, uh, with funds for the Iranian church in Brussels that is thriving and growing. You made that happen through your generosity, through opportunities in, in far off places like Kenya and, uh, and, and Central America. You know, Valley Church people, get this, they, through Compassion International, International sponsor like 600 children providing food and clothing and education to 600 kids in Tegucigalpa, Honduras. Blows the mind. Guys, you, you helped out in a place called Athens, Greece to help them acquire a place to meet and help train worship leaders there. Just amazing. Bless your heart for doing that. And we got some more that are available to you. Check it out. I hope that you'll give generously. We've got some great stuff happening. Before, before I go on, I need to tell you though, I just got back from South Asia and I saw a place, this place, and this, this is a, uh, a dormitory and it's a conference center and in 2009, the Valley Church people gave hundreds of thousands of dollars for the construction of this place that uh, holds between 200 and 300 people. And conferences and education and compassion ministries are still going strong from 2009 to today. And I just got back from there and it's still going strong. That was God's boundless compassion through your generosity. That's what I'm talking about. It's amazing. And this year, as we close out the year, we're looking for further uh, uh, generosity to help with renovations at that church plant in Brussels, Belgium. For an amazing sports and education complex in Madagascar, already funds are being contributed. Check out some of the stuff that's happening there. You are providing the funds that includes things for an enclosed church and school facility, a covered sports complex and soccer fields for the local people, impacting thousands of people in a very far off place you'll never be able to visit. But your generosity and God's boundless compassion is being felt by these people here. Check it out. I mean, isn't that just the most beautiful, beautiful thing you can imagine? Isn't that incredible to think a little old Des Moines, Iowa, a little old Valley Church is making a difference a half a world away. It's so beautiful to think about. Guys, that's an opportunity before us. 
We're also providing funding to, to, to increase our involvement in foster care and encouraging others to be involved in foster care and, and helping women who are in crisis. That's a big deal this year. Funds are being uh, channeled into that to really increase uh, the impact there. We also have a need for a new ministry van. We've done a lot in the community with it. It's got a lot of miles on it. And frankly, we need a new van. And we, we serve immigrants, we serve refugees, we serve internationals, and we serve uh, people and ministries all over this metro. And that is a, a, a very significant need for a new ministry van. And then our ministries fund that just carries on all the day-to-day -day ministries of our church. All of your generosity at your end goes to that. Please, as God touches your heart and he provides for you, I encourage you, be a part of the Christmas revolution. Your boundless generosity brings God's boundless compassion to others. And finally, celebrate the wins. Um, Elizabeth and Mary were essentially celebrating God's wins in their lives, what God had done for them and what God had done for his people, and they were celebrating it. I close today with just a moment. I hope you'll just take it in. And, and, and uh, it was a heartwarming moment for our family. Ruth had been in the hospital for about a month after her fourth surgery, um, and she's cancer-free today. But after, this was a few months back, but we haven't shown this video yet, but some people just impromptu, just a small group of people got together and they heard she was coming home, so they formed a little parade for her to welcome her home after being a month in a hospital. It's been a long journey for Ruth, the awesome Ruth Steve. And I just wanted to show you this video because it really is the spirit of boundless compassion. Can you check out this video?
Father in heaven, I am so grateful for your boundless compassion that is shown over and over again through the people of this church, the amazing people that we get to call our brothers and sisters of Valley Church. Touch hearts deeply this Christmas season and may the good news of great joy because be to all people because of your boundless compassion this day. Help us to walk in your steps, Lord Jesus, and all God's people agreed and said, amen. God bless you all. Looking forward to Christmas Eve gatherings with all of you and have a very Merry Christmas.